1: Surprise! Welcome in the CHGO Bears podcast. My name is Adam Hogue. Excited to be here alongside Olin Krutz, Nicholas Moriano. What's up, guys?
2: What's up with you, Adam? I I, mean, this this is a
1: surprise for sure. I just walked Hmm. in today and decided to sit down. Fit right in.
3: Nothing new, man. I mean, I guess... You gotta be big time to think you're a big surprise for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, true, like, And like here we go. Surprise it's the like you know, like fired. you think everybody's gonna be super excited. Well, right? I didn't say it was. A think good. You're jumping out a birthday cake surprise. Not <laughs> all surprises are good. It could be a that's bad surprise. So, for all I know. <laughs> no, no, that's a good surprise, man. Adam, I'm happy to be here with you guys today. Yeah, this Welcome is gonna, bears.
1: This is gonna be fun. The Chgo Bears Podcast presented by Points Bet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet. Life. Well, I'm excited to be here, guys. I think uh, it, this is just such a cool thing that you guys launched on Friday. It was sad I wasn't here on Friday, but uh, you guys did an outstanding job, and uh, I'm just pumped to be here today. Mm-hmm. Five days a week, taking Bears coverage to the next level,
3: and uh, we might as well get going. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, and I'll just say, in my opinion, Adam, man, like you're one of the best to do it. So. Enjoyed a Jans and Hodge podcast. Happy to be working with you, man. <laughs> 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 and this is why I love you. This is exactly why
1: I love you. All right, guys. Well, let's jump in. Um,
2: the combine is now over. And um you spent a lot of time down there, Nick. Yeah, yeah. It was like my first time actually doing the other side of things outside doing this, the interviews, like going out and actually talking to people. And I mean, that's an experience in itself, to be completely honest. Like we were out till two three in the morning just kind of that's talking. it <laughs>
1: come on man man you gotta, I mean you it was our first your time. Game yeah I guess so <laughs> but
2: uh yeah no it was a really good experience just to get to see that side of things to be completely honest and really just network and see kind of how you guys operate and you know just that professional setting and just kind of doing it for the first time honestly yeah well what were your overall takeaways uh, I mean, like, look, I tell everybody, like the combine is not just only about going and talking about these prospects that have been coached up to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah, that's a big, part. it's really going out and seeing what are the rumors and things like that and networking with people that can potentially, you know, give you some stuff later on. And so that was kind of the takeaway from this combine for me. But, uh, what about you, Adam?
1: Well, it was short for me this year for many different reasons, <laughs> but, uh, still crammed in a lot into a short period of time. Um, you know, our new fans and followers on CHGO can check out a conversation I had with Matt Eberflus that they can see on allchgo.com this morning, a little Q&A, and something I kind of want to start the show with today because we I had a chance to talk to Matt Eberflus about, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about this hits principle, right? It's been, But it's, it's the backbone of what he's going to be as the Bears head coach, so it matters. It matters, and one of my questions to him that I had going into this was just, okay, We hear all about it. We know what it stands for now, the hustle, the intensity, the takeaways, being smart situationally. But when those players get in the building in April, how is it actually going to be implemented? How is it actually going to be graded on a daily basis? Because this is something Mm -hmm. he emphasized to me. It's every snap of every practice, every game. By the way, it sounds incredibly grueling for the coaching staff, quite frankly, Mm -hmm. that they have to go through this pretty much watch every snap of practice 11 times to grade out every single player on their hustle. So Olin, I wanted to ask this to you because he kind of admitted to me, you know, they're still trying to figure out how this is going to work on the offensive side of the ball. He's been doing this on defense. He's installed this on defense. And I asked him straight up, you know, okay for Justin Fields though, like, yeah, like how does this translate? And he admitted like, it's going to be more mental, for the quarterback, it's going to matter more about being situationally smart for the quarterback because that's a huge part of it. And the takeaways, not turning the ball over, is going to be huge. But like, it's not like they're going to ding him for not carrying out a block forty yards downfield, like because you don't want your your quarterback doing that. So I, I'm just curious to see how this all works.
3: Yeah, but if you talk about the quarterback, right? When you watch practices, and you guys have both coached and are played football, there is a way to finish your play, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, when I went down to New Orleans, I played with Drew Brees. Uh, he was the first guy I saw go through his whole progression after he threw the ball. So he'd throw mm-hmm. the ball to who he wanted to throw the ball, and then he would move his feet and act like he was going through his progression, and either he would run like a scramble drill, and then they expected the receivers to also finish the scramble drill. So there's certain things you can put into practice that you require all the guys to finish a certain way. Offensive linemen, always finish the ball. Cover your wide receiver, pick them up off the ground. You heard Ryan Poles talk about that uh, as soon as he got the job. right? He said, well, the linemen weren't – we're protecting the quarterback. Well, when you protect the quarterback, that just means you're always around the ball. You're waiting for a fumble to pop out. You're picking the running back off the ground so he doesn't have to pick himself up. And in that theory, is okay. He's saving energy for the fourth quarter. So when you talk about okay, let's talk about quarterbacks. Okay, quarterback, you boot out on a on a on a uh, on a you just you just hand the ball off and then go ahead run your boot, run your boot, finish the play. Yeah. Make sure you're finishing all the details of every play. And you can coach, and like you said, that is grueling on the coaches. But they get pay, paid millions of dollars nowadays to be in that building and watch film for an hour or two. So they can stay off the golf course for one hour extra and grade <laughs> a couple of plays. But that's what he's talking. But like you're saying, and when you're, when you're pushing NFL pros to do those things, that is hard sometimes to get everyone to buy it until they see the results. Well, Olin, I know you talked, you know, just on the last podcast, like you can do it, maybe bring
2: in this system, and yes, maybe it's implemented for like a year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe injuries start happening because you're constantly being pushed to, you know, your physical limits and you're try- trying to carry out these plays. But for you, for an offensive player, like, you, again, you said it lasted like a year. Mm-hmm. So is that maybe reflective of what could happen if this kind of goes the wrong way with players or like now, the injuries?
3: Uh, when I say it lasted a year, it lasted a year with, say, Lovey came in and Lovey sold to us, I remember this, he, was, he came from the Rams. Lovey was the defense corner mm-hmm. of the Rams. And he was like, they practiced two hours and 45 minutes every day, full pads, and it's as hard as they can go. Uh, we went down to scrimmage the Rams that year. I forget where we went, um, where the Rams had camp. They weren't doing that. <laughs> they weren't doing what Lovey sold us. But because we had all the injuries, um, Lovey kind of backed off the next year. So he was flexible. And, 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 you know, we've talked about that before. Will Eberflus be flexible enough to say, look – this is not working. But honestly, like hustling to the line of scrimmage, breaking the huddle, running to the ball, covering receivers—that was my game anyway. Uh, that's the way I like to play football anyway. So it didn't bug me. Mm-hmm. But say we had a guy like Ruben Brown, I, when he came here, he was an eight-time Pro Bowler from Buffalo. I think he was in his tenth year. Getting him to run to the ball on every play—that uh, was hard. And I, I think I told this story last time. But uh, Lovey called him out in team meeting, put up the team meeting. You would imagine this is what Ibriflu is talking about. I'm going to put up the film and team meeting t- uh, uh, practice tape and say, I want you covering, look here, an eight-time pro bowler is not doing it. And, of course, that rubbed Ruben the wrong way. Now, Ruben, mm-hmm. you know, he, he didn't. But uh, we went to the next practice, and we turned the film on, and Ruben was running in place. that. <laughs> 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 For Ruben, I was running to the ball. But eventually, look, if a guy's a good football player, if he's doing his job on tape, Ibriflu said, I, I watch tape. If the guy is fighting his you-know-what off on tape every game, he, he's putting on tape what you want. He is the kind of football mm-hmm. player you want, and then you back off just a little bit for an older guy, a pro, Well, you don't have to really cover all the time in practice. So, so let me ask
1: you this. If, you know, this hypothetical, if you're – let's just say it's, it's you, but you're mm-hmm. playing left tackle in this situation instead of center. It's a run to the right, okay, and mm-hmm. David Montgomery breaks it for – you know, 30, 35 yards. You did your job on the left side, but you didn't necessarily run 20 yards downfield mm-hmm. and afterwards, and then they, they did what you just brought up. They bring it up in film, and they go, hey, right. you didn't check. You got a loaf here because you didn't you didn't run downfield. I mean, how would you react to that?
3: Just depends on where you are in your career, right? Like like Tevin Jenkins, he should be running down the damn field. He should finish his block, and on his angle, it's almost like a pursuit, pursuit drill in defense. Okay. I'm running on my angle to the ball in case anything happens, in case the ball pops out. Like, as I got later in my career, you would tell the young guys, like, hey, you got to cover. Like, make sure you cover the running back in case the ball pops out. We need someone to jump on the damn ball, be around the pile, uh, in case they're taking extra hits at the running back. You know, guys will, will spear the running back late or the wide receiver. So when you see an old lineman you were preaching to old linemen like, get down the field. Get the receiver off the ground. Get the run. All you're trying to do is protect them around the pile, right? Because if if a run, if a receiver or running back is fighting for extra yards, the defenders are coming in and taking shots, right? And they'll take shots at him and try to pull the ball out, which Ibrahulz will be doing with his. You know, we'd run on the field and pull peanut them off the pile because they're trying to yanked the ball up, you know, <laughs> Thomas Jones, you say, like, Pena was like a drug addict. <laughs> like, he was looking for his drug, which was the ball, right? He looked like a guy who was fiending for the ball. So, like, though, like that's the kind of guys that Ibra Flues wants. So, in, in a nutshell, and, and I think you guys know, you guys are both football guys, like, what I'm talking about. You can kind of see mm-hmm. it now, right? Like, everybody can finish the play. And especially, like, the younger you are, the more you damn well should be doing your details. Exactly. You should be concentrating on finishing plays. You should be trying to do things better. Now, uh, you get Jason, let's say Jason Peters is at left tackle. I'm not. as I would hope he reflues these 30 years of, of a football coach, right? Like, I'm not driving him crazy. It's good. Like, you know, a, a, a uh, Peters, you might just kind of. At 40 years Running old, to the yeah. ball, right? At, you least, know what I'm saying? at least yeah. run in place. Yeah, just run your <laughs> There you go. But you guys can kind of see now what, yeah. what he means by finishing plays on offense. There is a way to finish plays at every position, right? It's not just a damn stander. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, though, because like when people bring up turnover
1: luck, and there is luck involved mm-hmm. in turnovers, but I always say you can increase your turnover luck by sending more bodies to the ball. The more bodies you have, you outnumber them, if the ball does pop loose or get knocked in the air, you're going to have a better chance. You're helping your luck. You're increasing your luck by just having more. And that's hustle. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is hustle, just getting to, to be where the football is. You, I, I, so I do love and appreciate coaches that emphasize that constantly.
2: And, I mean, the Bears didn't, obviously didn't have enough turnovers these past couple of years, and maybe if they had this philosophy earlier where you have more bodies around it, you could translate to what they've been looking for for, like I said, years now. But mm-hmm. like like Eberfuss has been saying in his press conference, it's going to take time to really get these players to buy in to really just embody the system, this philosophy that he's trying to bring here. So I wonder how long that takes. But like you said, Olin, younger players, especially along that offensive line, like we're looking at the offense, they should be embodying this from, I would say, the beginning as opposed to if it was like a Jason Pierce, It's 40 years old. You're not really expecting a guy to go, all the way downfield to cover a guy like you were just saying. But with the youthfulness on this Bears team, I think you could maybe see it translate a little earlier. But, again, we'll have to wait and see on that.
3: Yeah, and look, they were minus 13, I think, this year, with 15 takeaways, right? If they just get that to plus three or four or five, yeah, right, and they get 25 to 30 takeaways, I mean, if you're EBFLU, you just put that number up and say, guys, if we can just change this, yeah. we, we might flip our record immediately, right? So – uh, takeaways have been a big problem. Like you said, you are what you preach every day, right? So if you preach takeaways every day, get to the ball, punch it out, rip at it, eventually, you know, get the ball. Like, don't leave any footballs on the ground at all. Pick them up, run to the end zone uh, every time. So, you know, I, I got to watch it a lot with our defense, with Lovey, the way he I mean, it would take up a lot of practice. Like, any ball on the ground, they'd scoop no matter where they were, and they'd run down the numbers and score. But eventually, it led to 40-plus takeaways. Now, obviously – we all know the names that was on that defense. Mm. It takes players, but but it's you preach you you just preach what what you want every day. You got to stick to the standard, and and we saw that this year with Nate, Coach Nagy and um, his defense, they had the turnover bucket, right? Uh, they they preached it early on, and then it just kind of disappeared.
1: Well, the bucket kept breaking. Breaking, <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. but but that's that's what <laughs> they wanted, right? They wanted they wanted takeaways, right? They wanted, but but by week three or four. Did we hear about it at all? No. Right? Mm-hmm. Like with, with Iberflus, I don't care if he only has 10. You're going to hear about it yeah. every single week. They really, he and this system and the family of coaches he comes from, they believe in this. And that these players are going to hear it all the time, and it will get frustrating. But once they get the success of it, once the balls start coming out, once they pick it up, once they do score, they'll buy in. And the thing, the,
2: uh, I asked them in the introductory press conference, they are going to bring back the, the Ballhawk t-shirts that were in in Indianapolis where, you know, Iberflus after the game would give out a a shirt that had a – it it was an eagle, but he would give it out and there would be an award after the season for the player that gives or gets the most turnovers. So look at those little – I guess I don't want to say they're gimmicks, Mm -hmm. but they are maybe things – can motivate players. Like, let's go get this ball. Let's go get this turnover. I'm going to give myself a cool so, eagle uh, shirt. So
3: so a football guy didn't know the district of a hawk and an eagle, I'm shocked. <laughs> I wouldn't either. What is that? It's the eagle to me.
1: I, I guess if you're coaching for the Eagles, you should probably know that, but true, otherwise, true. it probably doesn't. Yeah. Why doesn't, would he guys, have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't really matter.
2: Guys, I want to jump in here real quick. The chat's going pretty nuts in the uh, YouTube channel. I just want to hit you on the super chat here from Jake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olin, he wants to know, Olin, your best coach and worst coach during your career.
3: Ooh. Well, I'm not going to take a shot at a at a worst coach. Uh, everybody knows <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of Harry Heastan. He just got hired mm-hmm. again over there at Notre Dame. He's back in South Bend. Uh, he's become a good friend of mine. Uh, one, of, one of the rare coaches who actually really did care about his players and, and your career and your family and where you're going. And uh, Just a quick Harry Heastan story. You probably won't be happy that I'm telling this, but, but he was down in Champaign this week watching his daughter play soccer, and I didn't even know he was there, and he texted my son, meet me at the Bucket statue. So he took 20 minutes to talk to my son, who's a uh, center at Illinois, I just talked to him about football, and that's just the kind of guy he is. So that's, that's awesome. like, for me, that, that was the best. But I had some, I had some characters. Now, Bob Wiley... Was one of my first offensive line coaches. We all remember him on Hard Knocks. Bob Wiley was something else. So had a lot of guys. uh, The worst coach. I'll just save that for you know when we're drinking or something. I'll tell you guys that that story. That's why you go to the combine, right, now. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, That's a three in the morning. But you went to bed already.
2: There was one night.
3: There was one night he was out till three, but it was around that time. (laughs) No judgment. Hey,
1: what do you think? What was it about Harry that um, that? I'm talking. I guess when you guys were actually practicing, going through drills. Because one thing I heard about Juan Castillo this year was just like, you know how every time he did an interview, and he talked about we do it over and over and over and over and, <laughs> over, and over. Like, I don't necessarily think the players love that. Like it, it, was, it was like too much um, sometimes. And so was Harry different in that way? It's like why did why did you hit no, it off with O-line them? Online
3: coaches all, it's 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 repetitive, right? They just they're going to continue doing uh, what they believe in. Right? So they're going to teach you their style. It's almost like when you meet a coach, and, and you guys both know this because you guys talk to them, their system, their skill, whatever they teach skill-wise is a religion. right? Like They are not oh, yeah. changing that. So in the offensive line world right now, a lot of guys are going to just thumbs up. right? Screw your thumbs in. There's guys who teach knuckles up. Mm. And when you get into an argument with these knuckles up, first thumbs up guy, they will literally fight each other over knuckles up and thumbs up. So they'll teach that kind of stuff. I think the the details of it, what you're preaching every day, and then are you willing to bend a little bit like, okay, like that does work for you. So as long as it's working, we're going to do these drills, but I'm not going to force you to do something that doesn't work for you. right? There's a lot of ways to block somebody. I don't know. I don't want to speak for the players, uh, Adam. I don't know what you heard, but maybe Juan was trying to change what worked for them well, and I'm know.
1: sure it wasn't universal, right? And, and you, no, no, know no, these know lo- you know, you yeah. know, these locker rooms like, there's oh, always yeah. there's always one or two players, that and it wasn't took- a lot
3: of, like success on that offense, right? So, they're right. kind of yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of frustration, uh, uh through the locker room on everything the scheme. We all were frustrated at the scheme, uh, so but I don't know, I kind of liked it. You like the scheme, <laughs> 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 but you can watch it again in Kansas City, it'll be there. Just True. make sure you have Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, <laughs> exactly. uh, uh, Orlando Brown. Make sure you get all these it'll guys. Be good.
1: Yeah. So, so um, you know, one one of the things that I think we've all been talking about, whether it's, like, specific to coaching technique to a, a player or how Matt Eberfleet, we're, we're talking about coaches adapting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, mm-hmm. so that and that's my big question, I think, is can you adapt on an individual basis with these players? Like you just said, Olin, hey, you know, maybe the knuckles up work better for this player and he's just having more success. Well, then m- maybe that's okay. Like, you, you, and I think that the best coaches find – ways to get through to individual players, to make those individual players the best, at that point, then you can put together five of your best offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you make a guy completely uncomfortable... Now, I understand you want to have your, your hits principle, You want, but I still think that they're going to have to adjust both on a smaller level with individual players and on a larger level, too, where maybe it is going into year two, and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves now, but going into year two, you know what? This was a little overkill. Or, you know, maybe we pushed this a little too hard in practice and injuries came down. I just, that's my big question is what, can Matt Eberflus adjust as needed? Because if there's one thing we say about the Matt Nagy era, right, it all went well that first year, and then he struggled to adjust and get off of,
2: you know, what he truly believed in for what was best for the team. And You know what, Adam, like you mentioned this adaptability between coaches. You look at the coaching staff, like you look at Allen Williams. He's a defensive coordinator for the first time in like 10 years. Right and then, you look at Luke Getz, who's going to be a first-time play caller um, with the Bears. So when you're thinking about adapting, you also have to rely on the guys that you have, your coaches around you, and yet these guys haven't had necessarily, I, I would say, as much experience in doing that. So when you're looking to adapt in games, Alan Williams is going to have the ability with under Matt Eberflus' kind of philosophy to find the right plays to kind of like, hey, this offense is doing this, we need to counterattack that. Or with Luke Etsy it's like, hey, you don't have Aaron Rodgers or you know Devontae Adams. How do you adjust this whole scheme now coming to Chicago? So this adaptability, I think, also stems with the coaches that you have around you. And I think we'll get more – we'll know more about that as we're kind of seeing games, obviously.
1: All right, we're going to take our first time out here. Uh, I'm sure some of our viewers and listeners wondering where Will is. Don't worry, Will DeWitt's coming up. We're going to bring him in here next. And uh, he's got a certain veteran-wide receiver I think he wants to talk about that maybe – the Bears uh, can go after. So Will will join us next as we keep it rolling here on the CHGO Bears podcast presented by PointsBet. Hmm. Best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all, All of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's a pretty sweet deal right there. You get the free membership. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any questions, email (laughs) pointsbet at allchgo.com. We'll help you out. Remember that PointsBet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, Live NBA Same Game Parlay for the first time ever. Build the perfect live same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And now, now is the time. If it didn't get drilled in your head over the weekend, by the way, online sign up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets Up to $2,000. So really, what are you waiting for at this point? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And Will. Go for it.
0: Can you guys see me? Hey. What's going on, Will? All right, there he is, Will DeWitt. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going, everyone? Adam, great to see you here on the show. Congratulations on your move. I'm very excited to kind of partner working with you, Nick. You know, long time no see in Owen. Uh, I missed her handshake this morning, and uh, I'm still practicing, <laughs> by the way. This is going to be a running joke. <laughs> I think it's, so.
2: It's
1: easier this way. You don't have to do the handshake if you're <laughs> you're over how the computer. Hands,
0: how many hands have people been shaking in the pandemic? I'm rusty. I'm sorry. See, there you go. Fair okay. point. Yeah, that's True. That's fair, that's point. fair point.
1: Uh, of course, you can follow Will. Will, we, we got to do something by your Twitter account. How do you sit at Will11 DeWitt? Is that how you usually, how does it roll off the know. tongue I for never, you?
0: I never know. So if someone had at Will DeWitt, and I thought I could pull <laughs> like a Kyle Long and use like a one for an L, yeah. and it's just awkward to kind of explain to people. So you're I right. Like we need to figure something out. I like it, out. Will. All right, oh, man. Thanks, Olin. Nope.
1: <laughs> so who's this wide receiver you want to talk about? I think I've heard of him.
0: Ah, you may have, uh, but his name is, you know, Amari Cooper, who I think it was just a few days ago. They mentioned like, Hey, the Cowboys are likely to release him just due to their cap restraints. And I thought it'd be a great question to kind of entertain here on the podcast. Like, should the bears pursue an Amari Cooper? He's going to be looking around what? 20 million a year. Uh, I think I can make the math work. There's some guys that I would cut uh, to make that work, but I figured, you know, I'll bring it over to the panel here real quick and. Just curious your thoughts about why or why not should the Bears go after this veteran receiver who they could have drafted a handful of years ago, but missed out by a few picks, And instead we had good old Kevin White.
2: Well, I'll start with this. Like with Amari Cooper, is he still a number one wide receiver? Like that's obviously what the Bears are looking for as their wide receiver room has Darnell Mooney, who had a great second year, and then you have Daz Newsome. Uh, currently under contract, right? So obviously you need to add players to that position, but with Amari Cooper, they the Cowboys financially probably need to let or going to let him go, but do they just feel confident in the other guys? Like Gallup is coming off in ACL. Maybe they feel comfortable, comfortable with him, and then you have uh, CeeDee Lamb, right? So they feel good with what they have. Now is he just going to come in here and be the number one wide receiver for the Bears, and does he still have that? capability to do so plus the money that's probably have to be given to him is this a guy that you really want to have for a, a like i said a position that does need some depth
3: yeah i mean if you're the bears we talked about last week if you go through them position by position you wouldn't say they have a number one yet anywhere right mm-hmm. you say okay do they have a number one tight end well does Cole Comet develop do they have a number one receiver no do they have their outside zone running back the question, you know, quarterback, they, you could make an argument that Ryan Poles has to actually invest in a young quarterback and try to develop another young quarterback because that's a mistake Ryan Pace made. But as far as just Amari Cooper, I think you have to look into it. Just like you have to look into mm-hmm. Teron Armstead, you have to look into Dwayne Brown, and you have to pick two or three guys that can really make a difference on your offense, Adam, because their problem is scoring points. That really is the Bears' number one problem. It's putting the ball in the end zone and takeaways. We talked about would Eberflus adapt if his system didn't work and what happened to Nagy. If you really looked at why the Bears won in 2018, and Nagy really looked at it. They had 38 takeaways, yep. right? And they had an all-star defensive staff, it turned out, with a lot of good football players. So Ryan Poles has to take a clear-eyed look at this and say, okay, Teron Armstead, Dwayne Brown, is Orlando Brown Jr. coming on the market at left tackle – now, i got to weigh that against a playmaker like Amari Cooper and what fits into my offense. But, yes, you have to look into a guy like Amari Cooper if you're the Chicago Bears.
1: Yeah, and that's where I would go with this. I, I guess I don't really care if you're spending uh, a huge amount of money on, like, the top left tackle or the top wide receiver. You have to go out and get dudes on offense, mm-hmm. right? And, 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 and make sure you know what you're getting at one of those spots. So, look, did you know Amari Cooper is younger than Allen Robinson? I did not, no. He's a year younger than Allen Robinson, okay? And I'll tell you what, he was on my fantasy team this year. He sure seemed like a number one wide receiver until he got COVID. Mm. And that's a whole nother wrinkle in all this that I think that whatever sport we're talking about teams are going to have to start to investigate, but you know, he obviously was one of these guys that I think got affected a little bit more by getting COVID than, than, than others. Um, and it affected the rest of his season. So what are those long-term effects? Is he still dealing with like that goes into the medicals, right? Any free agent you're signing, but now that's just another thing that you have to investigate for me. I think Mari Cooper is still a really good wide receiver. As long as those medicals all check out, um, you know, he stayed mostly, mostly healthy other than that, and I just think that he's, he's that dude. He's the, he's the dude you get on well, offense I, well, that helps and right away. I don't know really do what
3: you think, Will, but I think you have to take also a look at who's around him, right? Dak Prescott, yep. Zach Martin, Tyron Smith. We just mentioned Gallup and Lamb. He's not going to have all that when he gets here, nope. so he'll get a lot of attention. You know, he did have good production with well, Andy Dalton. As, as the quarterback but the same guys, you know? right? Yeah. Tyron Smith, Zach yeah, Martin. True, like true. you're talking about a very you're talking about a top two or three offensive line in the NFL, uh protecting their quarterback. That's why Andy Dalton had success <laughs> yeah. there also, right?
0: Well true. And even if you want to go back to his days in the Raiders, like he was the focal point of the offense back then and was still able to produce. And if you look at Cooper's career, he has what, seven thousand seventy receiving yards. That would be all time in Bears history by like over two thousand Yards and over the last three years, Cooper's had uh, I dotted it down here as well. I think three years, uh, 31 uh, 68, which would be 16th all time in Chicago. Obviously, the bar is super low, uh, for the Bears, but he would automatically come in and perhaps be, you know, the best, the most talented wide receiver in Chicago Bears history. You know, Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall up there as well, but you mm. know, I mean, that's what I see. And you know, he's only 27, you can still get three to four good years from him. And as I mentioned, you know that market you know, you're looking at around 20 million ish uh, per year. You can cut, you know, an Eddie Goldman, uh, a Danny Trevathan, uh, Tariq Cohen, and then you're looking about having that kind of money. I don't know about you guys, but I think Amari Cooper would be worth just, having, just cutting you know, the starting nose guard players. for the
3: wide receiver, huh? Just <laughs> no, cutting I'm the sorry. starting nose guard. He's kind of starting a young, kind of young nose guard, nose guard for a wide receiver. That's that an was. interesting
1: pick. One of the reasons, guys, I don't mind spending some money on a wide receiver, a veteran, is because it, it, we've seen this plenty of times with wide receivers who the Bears have drafted. Like that is a position where, sure, you have some outliers like Jamar Chase who have an instant impact. Um, most times, they need they need a year of seasoning right True. at the NFL yeah. level to understand that hey, this isn't just a league where you can just win with your speed and quickness all the time. Like this is a one-on-one battle all the time. You got to study your opponent. You got to understand their technique. You got to beat that technique on every single snap. So bringing in somebody like Amari Cooper or whoever it is, a wide receiver, I do think the bears need to go out and sign one veteran, sign one veteran who's established draft one as well. And I also, and I think the the group to, as a whole is better.
3: Well, Luke gets, was a wide receiver coach, right? And Devontae yep. Adams mm-hmm. raves about him. So, You would think that he could maybe he would be, he would be involved in the recruiting of Amari Cooper. Maybe Amari Cooper would want to play for Galen Legetsy. But developing wide receivers, as you just said, Adam, has been a problem. Mm -hmm. Has been a problem for the Bears. Kevin White, right? Um, Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller, right? None of these guys. um, um, Ridley. Yeah. They've they've drafted these wide receivers who they have not developed, right? And it's been a problem on their offense developing players. And we see that they have a performance coach, and it's going to be. They're really gonna uh, you know, emphasize the development of their football players and who they draft and who they already have on their roster. But wide receiver, I'm mean, interested to see if a guy like Luke Getze being the offense corner can help some of these wide receivers take a jump. And we can see some of these numbers, Will, that you're talking about.
0: 100%, absolutely. And Devontae Adams, huge target volume kind of guy. I think he saw an average like 154 targets the last four seasons in Green Bay. Obviously, Mari Cooper, same thing going on in Dallas, 130 or more targets the last two years each. Justin Fields needs a go-to guy. Luke Getze knows how to kind of drive an offense through a number one wide receiver. Uh, Again, I think I wouldn't say go sign him right now, hands down, whatever money he wants. But as you guys mentioned, it's worth a look, and I think a very deep and hard consideration.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Brandon Marshall's name earlier too, because Brandon Marshall kind of left town on, on bad terms, and maybe some people look at it like, oh, that didn't really work. But that was all for reasons that didn't necessarily have to do with football. And, by the way, it did mostly
3: work. He yeah. was inc- an <laughs> incredible wide receiver when he, he was yep. here. So and we're going uh, to die on the defend Brandon Marshall here. here
1: no, tonight. no, all I'm saying is <laughs> <laughs> on the field. All I'm saying is that, that going out and making that move, did improve the offense oh, for sure, yeah. mm-hmm. right away. And so if you can sign a guy like Amari, who as far as I can tell, and I, I never pretend to know these guys that great, but I don't think he comes with the baggage that Brandon Marshall did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I just think that that's kind of an instant impact type move that could really pay off.
3: Yeah. And, and, and the other moves, you always have to look at the whole thing, right? So Brandon Marshall, Martellus Bennett, Jamar Bushrod at left tackle, they had made mm-hmm. a bunch of moves there. To improve that offense that was been bad for years. And then, like you said, it flipped. Yeah. And their defense was terrible, <laughs> right? Like uh, Mel Tucker was the defense corner. They tried to keep Lovey's system, and all that didn't work out. So it's, it's just kind of like we talked about earlier it's, it's yes, you look into it, but your offense needs a lot of pieces. Can you add? And you only have five draft picks. So do you try to, what do you do? Do you fix your offense through free agency? Where do you get your cornerback from? Obviously, Jalen Johnson. And Ibra Flews' defense, as you guys know, uh, that slot corner is extremely important. Rondé Barber, guys like that who play in that Tampa 2 defense, right? That guy is important. He's a blitzer usually in that kind of defense. So uh, they have a lot of holes. Where does Amari Cooper fall uh, uh, in, in line with what Luke Getsey wants to do on offense? It'll be interesting.
2: Absolutely. And that's where they got to find that balance. Like you said, the five draft picks limited in capital. It's like, can we do, do we, if we sign the big time free agent, do we have enough to kind of increase the the defense in areas like getting that opposite corner, getting another guard center, whatever it may be. So that's going to be for the coaching staff to figure out, can we find that balance? Do we have the capital in terms of draft picks money to kind of add to, to each side of the ball?
0: And you guys mentioned Brandon Marshall. Alshon Jeffrey, once they were able to bring Marshall in, that's when we kind of saw Alshon really take off. So if you're looking at a Darnell Mooney, that's such a great second year. You bring in a Cooper, maybe even draft someone to be that third receiver earlier on. I mean, you're looking at a star-studded, three-headed monster there for Justin Fields to kind of play with. And I think that would be, you know, for Luke Getze, almost a dream come true scenario. All
1: right, guys, I want to shift real quick to the defensive side of the ball. Position you just talked about, Olin, and that's corner and a name that in my Q&A with Matt Eberflus he brought up on his own it's Thomas Graham Jr. Oh, okay. okay. And I I don't know if Thomas Graham I I we did not see enough of Thomas Graham Jr. for me to sit here and say oh he's going to be, you know, the next big uh, you know, slot guy in this defense or just good corner in general, but um we did see, a gl- like, glimpses, right? And we all sure were sitting did. there that week after that game against the Vikings going, where's this guy been all season? Now, I was also trying to pump the brakes a little bit and say, hey, guys, the practice squad does sometimes develop players, so I'm sure he needed to be on the practice squad a little bit. Uh, maybe not that long. We don't know. But then he just sort of disappeared, too. I'm going to blame the coaching for that. I don't know. But my point is uh, he brought up Thomas Graham Jr. in the context of Kenny Moore. Because they train together, apparently. Uh Kenny Moore went to the Pro Bowl with the Colts. And Iberfoo said, I've been trying to tell our players, go talk to whoever you know on the Colts. Mm -hmm. Ask them how the system worked. Ask them about the hits principle. Ask them what you need to do and and why they liked it. And a guy like Kenny Moore took off. So I just, a little connection there I thought was interesting. Hey, maybe this could be... Let's not forget about Thomas Graham Jr cuz for all we know this coaching staff could like somebody like that and
2: say hey maybe that guy already is here in house. Well I think it's because he kind of doesn't buy that Hits philosophy. What? He was cut from the or off the team for a little bit, came back on and then made the most out of his opportunity in that game against the Minnesota Vikings. So someone that was a lower draft pick had to work his way up to kind of establish himself. It makes sense why, you know, Eberflus would look and single out a guy like that. It's like this is what you can become. And if you embody this philosophy,
3: who knows where he can kind of go with this opportunity. Yeah, and, and when you watch Thomas Graham Jr., you think about the switch to a little more zone, a little more eyes on the quarterback, help over the top, and a guy who uses as much as film study and studying his opponent and reacting to maybe uh, formations and what they're aligning and reading defenses. Thomas Graham Jr. seems to excel in that. And, and really, when you watched him in preseason, right, guys, like you're wondering with all the struggles they had last year in their secondary, like – why don't you just try him, right? And when I watch him, I think to myself, can they move him in to that slot? Can he play that zone, that slot corner, the guy comes off the edge? So um, you immediately think to yourself when Iber Flus did take the job, now here's a guy who's kind of a scheme fit. Maybe not, you wouldn't put him in New England, where they like to play a lot of cover zero, right? Or in Miami, where they like to play a lot of cover zero and blitz, and you're back there by yourself, but you'd put him in, uh, a cover two, cover three type defense, and Ibrahima has told you we don't play strictly cover two anymore. We don't play it that much, but they still play a lot of zone, right? They st- they still like to blitz from the field. They still like to run a lot of zone blitzes. And, and Thomas Graham Jr. just seems to fit that mode a little bit. So to be interesting, I mean, I-, I I liked him when I watched him. I always think
1: of that play in that game against the Vikings, where in the end zone that bright. And you talk about reading the quarterback's eyes. He, I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I think he may have gotten beat just slightly right off, but he yeah, recovered, recovered and he broke it up. Broke it up. It was a tremendous play. Will, I saw you get really excited when I mentioned his name.
0: Oh, uh, I mean, Nick knows we've been, you know, bigger fans of Thomas Graham Jr. He was someone I liked in the pre-draft process. So glad he came to Chicago, and obviously he did take 2020 off due to COVID. Like he did not play that season. So coming into Chicago, a little rusty, had to get back into football shape. Although throughout training camp, as you guys mentioned, he got better as it went on. And CJ in our chat here uh, said, you know, blame Nagy for not seeing Graham out there sooner. Uh, Not, I'm going to blame coach Nagy completely, but we all know he doesn't like playing rookies. And even though Graham had such a great game against the Vikings, the fact that he disappeared, I don't think, you know, that's on him. Uh, And I know he had four PBUs last year and such a limited amount of snaps. Uh, So he has someone who has that decent ball production and Nick, I know we don't like PFF grades all too much. You know, we take them with millions of grains of salt. But he was the highest graded corner in the entire NFL last year, which is still insane uh, when you look at it as well. So he's someone that, again, you don't put all your eggs in a Thomas Graham Jr. basket, but he is someone that, you know, you get someone to push him, uh, you coach him upright. I think he has the right head on his shoulders. Uh, he's highly motivated, wants to be great. I uh, think can someone that can surprise a lot of Bears fans.
2: Yeah, and it helps when there's not a solidified nickel corner or an outside corner on this current Bears defense, so he does get that opportunity to kind of really show what he can do. Well, that's why I brought him up because I just think we got to keep in mind that for all we
1: know, there could be some players like this, some young players on the roster that maybe we're not giving enough credit to. That the coaching staff came in and said, "Hey," because that's what they've been doing, by the way, at House Hall. Right? They've been all these, they've been hard at work. The coaches going through meetings, just the coaches. I mean, this is the time of year where the coaches coach the coaches so that when the players show up, they all know what to teach and what to implement. But part of that process right now is them going through the roster, watching the tape, what they have. I'm sure it's painful for them to watch some of it. But, um, you know, somebody like that could, for all we know, Allen Williams could have turned on that tape and been like, oh, like maybe maybe, there, that, yeah. maybe that maybe answer is already
2: here. It could Yeah, very well could be. And, you know, the, when we talked to him at the introductory press conference, they said that's – that would be their focal point for the next month, just kind of going through the tape, seeing what we have on offense, defense, and then we can give you a better assessment of the players currently on this team.
3: Yeah, I mean, and that is that is a tough job when you have to look at guys and say, okay, what they're running here in this scheme, does it translate to what yeah. we want to mm-hmm. do, right? And then yeah. we talked about earlier in the show, how do they add the hits principle to offense, right? So now Ibra and getsu who have never coached together before, Okay, this is what I want from the quarterback. Because if you're gonna have a hits principle, your young quarterback has to embody that, right? Your quarterback's the leader of your team. He has to represent what you want on offense. He has to be the guy, because eventually what you want is, and what Coach Eberflues wants, is they want their young guys, their leaders, to implement the hits principle. You see what I'm saying? So who on our team actually represents that, but does it naturally? They do it anyway, Mm. there is part of their game. I don't have to coach it into them. Now, okay, let those guys lead.
1: And then a lot of people say that about Justin, right? Like, yeah. When you talk to former, you, you guys, you talk to former Ohio State players, right? That that are all like, that's one of the first thing they say is just like he has that leadership uh, quality. And I always think about, you know, we were kind of joking around earlier about how we can't expect a quarterback to go forty yards downfield. But if you turn on that <laughs> Michigan State yep. tape from Ohio State when. The, uh, he, re- I think he booted out the other direction. All of a sudden, you see him 50 yards downfield lead blocking. Right. Um, completely unnecessary. I don't even think that was part of the play. That That's one guy I'm not worried about. Yeah, like, some of that's mm-hmm. natural, right? Yeah, some of that's natural. Like, like, if yeah. you
3: like being on the field, if you love being out there, like running on the field, that's let, let's do it. But, you know, Justin Fields, that kind of athlete he is, I think he ran under a 4 4 uh, He'll run around all day. And Larry Borum running 40 yards on the field on every play. That's just the give and take that they have to give eventually. But, um, you know, does Tevin Jenkins match what uh, new online coach Chris Morgan wants, right? Does he want Mm – they said they want to get athletic. They said they want to get smaller. They want to get quicker. They want to run that outside zone system. Now they have to implement that with Ryan Pace Them they want to get big. So they took Borum. They took Tevin Jenkins. So now how do we put that all together? And, okay, are some of these young guys here or are they not? Right? Do, we not want, do we not want the guys that are already here? And like you're saying, like, even though there's some guys like Thomas Graham who they do like, are there guys that we think they would like and they don't? Yeah. Right? And yeah. that's going to be the interesting process that they're going through up there. And until you get really you – know, that's the thing about the NFL now. right? Like, There's no pads for a long time. There's not a lot of practices yeah. anymore. Right? You only get 14 padded practices a year in camp. So you don't, you don't even know really what you have when you get to the preseason game. So they're going to have to go through this process for a while now, and you're going to have to give guys a chance. Like, you may think Thomas Graham can do it, but i got to give him everything i got in my playbook and watch him do it week in and week out and see, okay, is he the guy?
1: Yeah. Hey, Will, uh, are there any other – Look, a week from now, we're going to be doing a show right here talking about how the new league year has started, and uh, these deals are going to start to come together, get tweeted out, things like that. Are there other any other players that you think – we we've heard from the GM Ryan Poles. I don't want to do a, you know the top tier free agents. I'm more second, of a third you know wave. second third wave. Every GM says that. <laughs> I I you know I, I'm still wondering is he going to go out and spend some of that money on a guy like Amari Cooper, uh, or is there anyone else that you have in mind?
0: Not at this exact moment uh, right now. And uh, Nick and I have been you know working so closely together over the past seven years. Like we've been really focusing on the combine and the draft for this month. And now that it's behind us. It's time to switch the focus over to free agency. We'd love to continue, you know, those conversations throughout this week and moving forward. You know, the only thing I just wanted to say, at least here, about, you know, the right guys, Adam, and, like, possible pieces to build around, I'm happy you mentioned Thomas Graham Jr. and didn't even mention, like, a Duke Shelley's name. Uh, that made me happy.
3: <laughs> you know you know what would be <laughs> interesting, though? Um, with this new – I always like to watch the new staff with eber Flues. He's a big part of the recruiting process yeah, of getting, absolutely. like, absolutely. free agents to come here. Ryan Pose seems like he relates to these young players as well. Ian Cunningham, right? Uh, will they – I think will, they, will be a big part of yeah, that Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, will they get – when we hear them in the run for who they want, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if they get them, right? Do Because, like, I talk about Teron Armstead and Dwayne Brown, and they come off my head immediately. Two very good left tackles, um, but I'm, I'm sure the Bengals want them. I'm sure everybody, everyone mm-hmm. – like, yeah. there's like four teams that have their left tackle solidified, like – most teams are looking for a left tackle. They, didn't, they don't make these guys. So these guys are going to be hot names in the process. So when you get like Amari Cooper, like a lot of teams want Amari Cooper. Sure. Right. If I can add Amari Cooper to a lot of these, you know, a, a Green Bay want, might want Amari Cooper, put him with Devontae Adams. You never know. After they give Aaron Rodgers $300 million, probably not. But it's <laughs> going to be interesting to see, do they get the guys that they want, right? They're recruiting. Can Iberflue sell the hit system? Teron Armstead comes. We're going to run the hit system. We'll make you run on the field. I think I'll go play for the Bengals then. Thank you very much, though. So it'll be interesting.
2: (laughs) Well, Olin, I wonder, like, with this pitch, like, they're obviously going to be a part of the recruiting process. Why would you want to come to Chicago? I Mm -hmm. wonder
3: what they're selling
2: these possible, maybe second and third-wave free agents. Like, what's the benefit of you guys coming here? I wonder what they're kind of saying to these guys. Like, obviously, you have a young quarterback in Justin Fields, but we talked about in the last show, there's so many holes. We have a bunch of first-year coordinators that are coming into this spot for their first time. So, what is their what is their pitch? Also, if you're a wide
1: receiver, uh, I'm picking up my phone. I'm calling Allen Robinson. Hey, uh, what right. exactly what happened? What did, what did <laughs> uh, Moose say? Yeah. That's and by the receivers way,
3: receivers go to die. Mm-hmm. Chicago's where. Yeah. But look, um, when, when I when when I play for the Bears, you would say like, if you come here and you win,
2: that's a big yeah. Like you're legendary. Yeah, you're that's, lead, it. that's it. Yeah. It's just
3: it's it's you know you can go to Detroit and you can go to Cincinnati if you want, but have you ever seen the city of Chicago? All right, now come up here to Lake Forest where we actually practice and look at this suburb that we live in. This is This is one of the best teams to play for now in the whole NFL. That if you talk about just the city, uh, the fan base, winning football here, where you practice, raising a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, me and my wife are from Hawaii. We live here. Right, it's yeah. a great place to raise your family. You know, Hawaii a pretty damn good place. And it blows but,
1: my mind how many players there are like you, yes, Olin, around that decide to stay you around coach, here with our coach. awful, with our yeah. awful winners. You coach with Jason mm-hmm. McKee. He's here from
3: Florida. From Florida, right? Yeah. So um, that's a good point. It's yeah. just a great, like it's it's not a hard place to sell. It's just uh, the Bears haven't done a lot of winning the football in a, thing, in a yeah. long time. So that's what people get worried about.
1: Well, thanks so much, man. We're gonna take another time out here. Um, follow him on Twitter at. W-I-11 <laughs>
3: DeWitt. Was 11 your number in high school at the uh, wing T quarterback?
0: Yeah, I'm glad to remember, Nolan. Uh, it was not. They did not have 11 available for me, but it is like my lucky number, uh, and my favorite number.
3: Who had 11? So it work
0: out that way, too. Who had 11? Geez, I don't even remember the kid's name.
3: Mm, probably didn't like him much. <laughs> probably didn't oh. like his handshake. <laughs>
0: exactly. Adam gets it.
1: <laughs> there he is. All right. There's Will DeWitt. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we're gonna take another time out and we'll come back. We have some combine crushes to talk about. Getting that year, some guys that really showed out this weekend actually you got kind of It was fun to follow on Twitter oh, yeah, with man. some For of that sure. stuff. I, I don't know how they make watching guys in shorts just run straight in a straight line <laughs> entertaining, but another good thing the NFL does somehow. So congrats to them. We'll take a timeout. Come back with those combine crushes here on the
2: CHGO Bears podcast. And here at CHGO, we will have podcasts and live shows on every team, every day. Post-game shows, premium, written content for members at allchgo.com. And, of course, there will be some dope merch, or it's, or as it's only like to say, drip, mm-hmm. for all your teams and a free T-shirt when you become a member. Members only Discord for the CHGO Lounge. So you name it, we'll have it here at CHGO. So go check us out at allchgo.com to find all of our great content and if you enjoy
1: chgo one way to help us continue to grow is to download the points bet app do it right now use code chgo when you sign up not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars which should be enough right there but if you make a 50 Dollar or more first time deposit this is the best part you'll receive a free chgo membership which unlocks all of our web content and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the chgo locker if you have any questions you can email pointsbet at all chgo.com and we will help you out and in case you missed it online sign up is available in illinois right now don't know how you could have missed that but it is available. So check it out right now. You can actually download the Points Bet app right now. Register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So, what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet, live your bet life with Points Bet. Gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. All right, we keep
2: it rolling here on the CHGO Bears podcast. Back. One last segment. And, Adam, actually, before we get to that, we have a super chat here from Michael Bell, and he asked the question, the opinion on Fields' long throwing motion. And, actually, Olin, you talked about it on the last podcast, what the Bears emphasize or what they want to do with their offense, get the ball out quick, Mm -hmm. right? So how does that kind of contradict with maybe um, having a longer throwing motion or maybe with Fields' – I wouldn't say his best strength is getting the ball out quick, right? He wants to develop those plays, get the ball downfield. So, guys – any opinions on that? Whether this longer throwing motion can impact fields and what it kind of could do to his game?
1: I mean, I'll go back to some of my draft evaluation of him. Um, look, it's not a quick release, yeah. but I don't think it's a long release. I don't. It's it's a little bit. Of, it, 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 it didn't bother me during the season either. I I think the problem is just you want his decision making process mm-hmm. to just be a little bit quicker, and that'll help. I don't necessarily think he has to change anything mechanically because once you start going down that road, I don't. I like how the ball comes out of his hand. Oh you, yeah, you, you you've been to practices, you see it. That thing pops out of his hand, so I don't want that to get messed with. I just think that process of deciding where you're going to the ball and getting it out just needs to be quicker.
3: Yeah, and someone that's just knowing the offense and then realizing the speed of the game. I know last year he said that he didn't think it was fast, and then they played Cleveland and looked pretty fast to everybody. But <laughs> it was more fast for the whole offense, not just yeah. uh, Justin Fields. Not the, not the preseason uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't – sometimes you, you want him to get the ball out faster. Coach uh Coach, uh, Coach Getze, we'll see. We'll see what they emphasize for him because a lot of that sometimes, and I'm no quarterback expert, but a lot of that's footwork, right? A lot of that sure. is having your feet under you, getting the ball out. His arm is plenty strong enough – to get it out quickly if he wants. Uh, um, he's a different kind of quarterback, right? So it'll be interesting to see if he does struggle with getting the ball out. Does it become something that Getse and Janoco, how else can we use him? Can we use him in a Lamar Jackson fashion? Can we use him to run the ball sometimes uh, to cover up that part of his game? Because sometimes, to be honest with you, uh, in the RPO game last year, I thought he was taking a long time to get that ball out when he was trying to turn to get it out. So you saw some of why a lot of people question in the draft could he play in the NFL when everything sped up. You did see that on film sometimes and it's going to be interesting to see his second year jump because I'm sure, like you guys know, whatever your weakness is, he's working on it. He's working on it right now somewhere, wherever he trains, he has a quarterback specialist and they're working on getting the damn ball out and Getsey and Janoco watched your film like Adam talked about earlier and said, look, this is what we want you to work on for this offense. And if they want you to get the ball out, if that's what they said, what do you think they told him to work on?
2: Exactly, get the ball. Exactly. Out. We have another one here from Scotty in the super chat, Olin. What's your thoughts on Dieter for center, Dieter Eastland? Correct. Yes. Um, yeah. Any thoughts there, Olin?
3: I, I think Dieter could do it. I don't. I haven't seen a lot of him on film. Obviously, uh, he's played guard mostly. When he mm. has played, a uh, big guy, strong guy. Uh, obviously, the, the center position all depends on your system and your scheme. But uh, there's a lot of you know, you have to process a lot of information at that spot. And you have to direct a lot of traffic up there. You're almost like a traffic cop. a point out who the line's going to, point out which way the line's sliding. Can Dieter handle all of that coming from, I think he came from a rugby background from South yep. Africa, right? Uh, ended up at Yale, went to a boarding school, I think in Massachusetts or something like that. Uh, but that he's an interesting option there. But it's funny because he's a big guy at center, right? And we just yeah. heard Chris Morgan say that we, you know, and, and Ryan Pose with their film studies, say, we want to get smaller more more. You know, I, I was looking at, Adam, and, and I know, Nicholas, you guys do this too, but I was looking at Chris Morgan's background. So was it 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl in Atlanta? Yeah. Uh, uh, that would be seven, 17. Yeah. Did you see that coaching staff on offense?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, they had...
3: Shanahan, the yeah. floor. Um, McDaniel, the guy with the Dolphins. Uh, they Who's had the that? Jets um, offensive coordinator. Okay. And they had Keith Carter, who's now the Titans offensive line coach. <laughs> that whole staff. That whole staff. And then Tom I mean, Brady. A, And you wonder why <laughs> teams go to the Super Bowl, right? Like, there's always a reason. Like, if you look at the Bears, the year they had, right? Uh, um, Ed Donatel, Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley. Wow, why was your defense so good? Well, Khalil Mack, right? Did they just – Eddie Jackson. Why did Eddie Jackson have such a great year? Well, you have all those guys in the room putting you in positions to make plays. Which, by the way, Dan Quinn was the other finalist
1: for the job, right? But I remember looking at that. like
3: Jeff Albrecht, the um, Jets defense coordinator, was on SF as a linebacker coach.
1: They were just So, And I remember talking about that when we actually kind of thought Dan was going to get the job at the last minute before they went with the Iberflues. Um, You know, he assembled such a great staff Mm -hmm. as a first-time head coach, and that was like something that – you wanna give him credit for you like, oh look like and and now he's got even more connections, he's been in the league for so long. But then the downfall in Atlanta was when Shanahan left, mm-hmm. he couldn't find that next O. C. Yeah, he got Sarkeesian, I think, right? He went with yes. Steve Sarkeesian, yeah, yeah. Instead of uh promoting um Matt LaFleur, right? Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah he so could. so the LaFleur went to I don't know. I'd, I'd have to fall. Anyway, I just He's, saw that. St- you know, I think he went to. Uh, McVay, right? I mean, 2018. No, uh, he, he, he was on Sean McVay's staff oh, right. for That's a little right. bit. Right. And it's kind of yeah. like yeah. You, you look through 2005 and 2006 and just look at Lovey's staffs, right? Ron Rivera. And then when they got good again, it was Rob Marinelli. Like, they just. Yep. You, this, it's, no, like it's not a mystery yeah. why these teams are good for a while. I remember, um, I remember looking back at 2010. One season we played the Eagles in 2002 in the playoffs. I remember thinking, man, I wonder who was on that stack. I remember thinking while we played them, gosh, it seems like they know every play we're running in that playoff game in 2002 at Soldier Field, the one Jim Miller got hit by Hugh Douglas. You remember that game? Yeah. So their staff now was Jim Johnson. I don't know if you guys remember the defense quarterback, Jim Johnson. He came with like the double-A gap blitz. I hate saying that because that might not be true, but that's the first time I remember the Uh double-A gap blitz. Uh, Ron Rivera, Sean McDermott, um, Leslie Frazier. You know what I mean? Like, like, there's a reason. You're like, well, how do they know all the plays? Well, maybe, maybe they do. <laughs> maybe <Yeah. laughs> they do know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyway, like, like uh, we were talking about earlier, Adam, and is off camera. One of the worries about this staff they assembled at Hallis Hall is we don't know a lot about them. So, even though no. they have to fix the team, man, we are learning about the staff. Then they hired Rusty Jones' guy, uh, Jimmy Arthur. I, I know, Jim, he was here when I was here, but it's his first time being a strength coach. Right, so they have a lot of first-time guys in their jobs, and it's going to be interesting. And they, they all have to now grow together, so that's going to be an interesting. Like you know, uh, uh, Coach Nagy had Vic Fangio, Vic. Yes. You could argue is the best defense corner in the league at the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Probably still is if he wants to come out of retirement at any time, right? So um, this staff is this team. This staff it just so many anybody who says they have the answers for what the Bears are about to do, uh, they're lying to you. <laughs> no, because <laughs> we don't, don't know. No. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, and Absolutely. you don't know polls. You don't know Ian Cunningham. These are guys, I, I mean, I didn't look at Cunningham's age, but what is Pose, 37? Yep, 37 right. What is old? Cunningham? I mean, they never run a building. You know, that's the first time I saw him with that clicker in his hand that the Bears do. Like, that's the first time he's run a room. True. Right, that he's done that. Like, so all of them, when they get, when Eberflu stands in front of a room, be the first time he's been a head coach. And he's actually tried to implement the hits principle like Adam talked about earlier for an offense. Right, and he said, I don't, we don't really know how. I don't really know how we're going to do this. True. Um, we have one more from the super chat from
2: Garrett. He asked, move Eddie Jackson to slot corner. I know that was being talked about what at the, 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 the press conference at the end of the year with Sean Desise or Eddie Jackson saying, Hey, I like playing in the slot. Like you should yeah. do that a little bit more with this defense. Olam, do you think it would be better to have him down there? Or you want him to be roaming around as a, uh, you know, a two high safety
3: look? I'd rather see him play a, a Mike Brown-type uh, role in this defense. I, I don't know what you think, Adam. I'm, I'm sure you've studied it also, but um, I, f- I forget the coats had a safety. Bob Sanders. Oh, yeah? from Iowa. Bob Sanders. Bob was oh, so man, good. what an animal. What yeah. an animal. Anyway, uh, a John Lynch-type. You know, now, Eddie's got way more range. They're two different players. Mm-hmm. But that kind of guy where, like, they're almost the captain of the defense. And you just – the guy who's always making plays, always in the right place, Coached by the right, you know, Allen Williams. I think secondary is his expertise. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So I like to see Eddie take a jump there. I like to see Eddie with, uh, back with a guy like Ed Donatel was that kind of coach. Right? Ed yeah. Donatel, the new Vikings defense corner. I think that's right. He, uh, he's with the Vikings now. But Ed's that kind of guy, where he like he you get to the you get to the facility and he gives you the game plan and says, "Look, this is what you will be looking for. Look for this. Make these damn plays." I don't know what you think, but I like I, I like to leave Eddie there.
1: Yeah, I also don't necessarily. Think that he's the answer for that such an important position mm-hmm. that slot corner as we've talked about such a key piece of this defense, and I don't know that he was any better there than than safety. I, I just I think my hope with Eddie Jackson is that this hits principle actually brings out the best in him to turn him into that guy who really is around the football all the time because if he is around the football we know what he can do with it we've seen it uh, yeah. it just hasn't happened enough. And so that's where I think this is either going to go one or two ways with Eddie Jackson. I think either this defense is going to be perfect for him and he's going to get his hands on the ball more, or there's just going to have to kind of be a come-to-Jesus moment and be like, all right, 2018 was
2: his best year in the NFL and I have to find a different answer. Regardless of where he's playing, they just need to get the best out of him because he, we saw the impact. He changed games. Yeah. He did that in 2018 consistently. He was in, in the running for Defensive player of the year for a little bit there. Regardless of it's
3: slot, up high, whatever. You just need to get the best out of a guy that's shown that he can be that guy. Shows you though that they even talk about the fact that you know moving the slot corner, like you know how good you got to be for people to even talk about the fact that. And I know uh, a guy I talk to a lot is Matt Bowen when it comes to secondary. Yeah. Does a lot of work for ESPN. Um, extremely smart on secondary and coverages, and he he says, "Olin, you don't under like I don't. He's right. You don't understand how much Eddie Jackson does." in the coverage, what you can do with him, his range, and his skills. And I think really, man, when you talk about Eddie Jackson about 2018, I really think you have to bring up the name Ed Donatel more. Yeah. I think a guy like – like you want to get the most out of Eddie because, look, if he leaves and Ed Donatel brings him to Minnesota, you don't want to see him in the middle of the field for Minnesota. So you want to be able to use a guy with his skills. How do we – like you're saying, like, gosh, he was like – people just mentioned him for defense player of the year. He, was, I mean, the guy was always running the ball, taking the ball, but – Maybe he's just the kind of guy you have to match with a good coach, a good ball coach, which we talked about earlier in the show, but all these coaches who can make players better, put them in the right scheme, and tell them, like, look, on Sunday, this is exactly what they're going to line up in. This is exactly what we want you to do. Go get the damn ball.
2: For sure.
1: All right, last thing, combine crushes. Let's put a bow on the combine. i uh, I'll start. Mm-hmm. This name's not gonna surprise people that uh, follow me or, or listen to me, but uh, I I was excited when Chris Olave ran a four three nine forty. Um, I'll admit his vertical did not wasn't didn't blow you away at thirty two inches, but he's only six feet tall. Um. So maybe that'll hurt him a little bit. <laughs> wow. This what happened
3: to my picture?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I think of Olin Cruz, I think about I think hearts Olin, in yeah. his eyes. Absolutely, that's where my brain uh, usually I goes. Love that. Same thing, hair man.
2: Look at that thing. That is awesome. Who am
1: I?
3: <laughs> <laughs> He's lost his identity. <laughs> that is funny. I guess I should take a closer look yeah. at that. I, I guess like this
2: that. is the first time we're actually seeing it, so I mean, yep. yeah. I, I don't mind it. Um, real quickly on a draft crush for me, Kyrie Elam, the the corner out of Florida, ran a four three nine official forty yard dash. It's a bigger corner that I could definitely see alongside of Jalen Johnson. Hey, he showed he has the speed, but he also has the length and likes to play press. So a guy that definitely fit the fits the attributes that you want at that position.
3: Did did you when you guys were there? Did you guys hear anything about it being like a faster track or anything with all the with all the speeds? Like I I was listening to somebody. I think it was Lance Zerline said that the coach did say they changed their turf. Interesting. In 2020. Mm. Which would you think would have affected every combine sense, right? But this one, Jeez. because they said the um, the 40s and, say, the short shuttle and the verticals, they weren't matching up. Like, the 40s were, ext- like, a lot. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I thought that was when I was listening. I was, um, uh, obviously, I'm an offensive lineman, so uh, Iki Kwanu. I hope I didn't butcher his name, um, heard that his – Pop Warner coach nicknamed him Icky because Icky thought he was Icky Woods. All us linemen think we can run the ball, <laughs> and Pop Warner uh, give us the ball, we will score. But uh, I think the kid is uh, is going to be a great left tackle. He plays with some nastiness. Even you know Neil, the the left tackle for Alabama. That's why I like Aquano a little more, just because of the way he really gets after people.
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's that time of year. We'll we'll. Dive into the NFL draft very soon, but all of a sudden, we're talking free agency next mm-hmm. week, so we got to get into that. Uh, you did have, uh, Nick, I should mention, a really good piece, though, on allchgo.com, with what Justin Fields' Ohio State teammates had to say about him at the NFL Combine, so you can check that out. Of course, my Q&A with Matt Eberflus. I'd be scared well. to know
3: my College teammate said about me, especially right. the one that uh, you got. In the yeah, with. he probably didn't like me very much. <laughs> there's, your next, there's your next piece. Yeah, let's start <laughs> digging that yep. up. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be hard to find. A guy.
1: <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been a blast today. Yeah. It's yeah. Awesome. F- yeah. fun to kick this thing off with you guys. I'm looking forward to uh, where this thing goes over the next coming days and weeks, of course. Um, and it's not going to stop. Five days a week, Monday through Friday. Right here, the CHGO Bears Podcast. I'm Adam Hogue, Nicholas Moriano, Olin Kreutz. Will DeWitt, as well, earlier on the show. Thanks so much. This is just the start, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See
3: ya. See ya.